This morning we read from Mark, chapter 3, 7 to 19. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the evil spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God! But he gave them strict orders not to tell who he was. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, designating them apostles that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Bernages, which means sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Well, good morning. Do you have a do you have a favorite band, musical band that you love, enjoy listening to as much as uh, you can, and enjoy going to their concerts? My favorite band is the band U2, led by lead singer Bono. Love that band, and I've been following them since I was in high school. And when I got into college, I traveled all over the nation to get to their concerts. And just a couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to go out to Salt Lake, and uh, I was invited to go to their concert in Salt Lake, and I was so excited to go. So we left here at 5 in the morning and went out with a bunch of guys, and, uh, and then basically we just waited. Uh, we, got there, uh, we got there about 10 in the morning. We waited till uh, 5 in the evening when they finally were opening the gates. And, uh, and then uh, I found out we didn't actually have seats. We were in the, we were in the mosh pit area. So it was, it was everybody just, just coming together, absolutely jammed together, uh, waiting for you two uh, in the mosh pit. Then finally, the, the lights went down, and then, boom, the big lights went on, and here comes you two and Bono. And everybody is screaming, and it's just awesome. And there is Bono. He's only 15 feet away from me right there in the middle. And I'm just loving this moment, along with tens of thousands of people. I came here to see you too, and I couldn't wait. The way that the stage was set up, it was it had a, had a main stage, and then it was circled. There was a stage that was a big circle around. It was called the 360 Tour. And then from the main stage, they had these bridges that came out uh, to the circle on the outside. And so there was a bridge that was right next to me. And then here comes, here comes Bono walking out on the bridge right near me. And it's just an incredible scene. And then what happens, the coolest thing, these bridges move. And so there's the bridge over here and the edge who plays the electric guitar. He's just amazing. The bridges start to move together 
And here's the Edge, and here's Bono, and they're coming together, and right in the middle is Rod Ritchie. <laughs> and then Bono, Bono reaches out. I think he's trying to reach for me. <laughs> and I almost touch him. Almost. Just missed. It was amazing. I just wanted to see and touch and be near Bono and you two. And it was a great, probably the greatest concert I've ever been to in my life. All to see you two. You know what? It was the same scene in Galilee. Jesus had achieved rock star status, not on his attempts. Everybody wanted to touch Jesus. Everybody wanted to see him and be near him and in any way they could to, to come and to be around Jesus and especially to touch him. There's tens of thousands, I would assume, that were coming from north, south, east, and west to see Jesus. Word had gotten out about how he was healing people and how he had made them well and, and all of his name and reputation was going out. There's an interesting inclusion in the coastal cities of Tyre and Sidon. And it brings to mind Isaiah's words out of Isaiah 42. He will not be disheartened or crushed until he has established justice in the earth and the coastal lands will wait expectantly for his law. The Lord Jesus Christ is bringing healing. He's bringing his loving rule to all the peoples. His kingdom is being established. He is bringing his justice and his truth to men and women everywhere, and they are streaming to come near him. They want to hear from him. They, they, they long, again, to touch him. And, you know, you look at this scene in the Gospel of Mark, and you go, yes, this is successful ministry. Jesus is getting out there. Everybody's knowing about who he is. This is awesome. You have instant megachurch, don't you? Right in the middle of Galilee. And you look at the scene and you go, this is how you build the kingdom of God. You gather tens of thousands around you, and now you have a platform. And you would think you want to take advantage of the situation. Hey, guys, let's build a big stage right here so I can lead the people. But Jesus has an entirely different way of building his kingdom, of impacting the world of reaching out to those in need. He has compassion upon the multitudes. But the way he's going to go about that and loving them and ministering to them is totally opposite, I think, from how we think Jesus should do it. It's what I call small boat ministry. And I hope we'll see that this morning. Let me pray. Jesus, we just come to you this morning and we, uh, we thank you for how much you love us. We thank you how you love the multitudes. And how you did want to minister to them. But Father, I pray this morning that you'll show to us in your word how you impacted the world for your kingdom. And how you're still impacting the world. And Lord, we want to be part of that. We want to be used of you. We do want to be your hands and feet. And we want to to, uh, let people know of your love for them. So Father, show us. And may we learn from you this morning on how to have small boat ministry that impacts the world. In your beautiful and precious name, amen. The popularity of Jesus, I think, was actually taken away from what he wanted to accomplish. 
He did have an incredible heart for the people, but how was he going to touch them? How was he going to minister to them? They were crowding around him. The, the Greek language has the idea that they were literally falling upon him. And the scriptures show us that, that there were, everybody was coming, and it was all those who were absolutely sick and had unclean spirits. And what a group of people. I used to go to Mexico quite often, almost every year, and go to minister in different communities and villages. And, and um, I love, love going to Mexico and just, just being part of a church and, and loving up the orphan kids and, and just all the, all the kids there. But it always happened to be this. The one, the one little boy who would, who would just love to come and give me a hug, he would, every day he would come to see me, and he would run up and... His nose was just running, just gobs of stuff. And, and, and he had lice and his hair. I mean, and he, and he just hadn't showered in forever. And this is the little guy who kept wanting to jump into my arms and touch me and be loved by me. Now multiply that by 10,000. Pressing in on Jesus. Everybody who was absolutely sick and had unclean spirits. And Jesus cares about them. And he's going to minister to them, but not in the way that we would think. He enters into their lives. And one of the beautiful things about Jesus is that as Jesus does ministry, I love how he involves others. He involves us. He wants us to be part of his kingdom work. He wants us to walk with him. He wants us to be reminded that he walks with us. And so he invites those with him in the middle of this pressing need. You see... Jesus is pressed upon, and in his humanity, he's feeling that. And there has to be a way to minister to the masses. I would imagine he's feeling a little bit overwhelmed, exhausted probably physically. I mean, can you imagine? Have you ever been in a mosh pit? We've had to pass people out because they faint, because they're so pressed upon. Jesus, in his humanity, invites and he seeks support from those who are close to him. I need a little help. Yes, he's God, but he's God in the flesh. And he's showing us how he's going to live out his kingdom work. I invite you to join me in this ministry to the multitudes. And Jesus asked for help. You ever feel pressed? You ever feel overwhelmed? You ever feel like, how am I going to do this next step? I'm not sure. Well, Jesus did in his humanity. And one of the reasons why, remember how oftentimes when when everybody was wanting to see Jesus... He would go to the mountain, and he would just go and talk with his father. Lord, what do you have for me here? Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of need. There's a lot of need. And I know you want me to minister to the people. How are you going to have me do that? And then he comes back, and he ministers, but he invites people in. Jesus does. This is God in the flesh. And I think, I think the Lord wants us to do the same when we're feeling pressed, when we're overwhelmed, when we don't know what the next thing is. And that we would invite the Lord to step right in the middle of that. Come to me, all you who are heavy burdened. I will give you rest for your souls. Not only that we cry out to God, the Father who loves us and knows what our, our need is and knows our hurts and our struggles. Not only that, but that we come alongside each other and we invite each other. We need one another in this body. You can't do this Christian life on your own. We're never meant to be an island in our Christianity. We're meant to be a body of Christ. That means that we live life together in the power of the Holy Spirit. We need each other. 
And so invite people in to your need. And Jesus says, listen, we got all these people pressing around us. The way I'm going to do my kingdom work ministry is I need some help. I need a small boat. This is how we're going to minister. I need a small boat. Have it ready for me. Now, again, tens of thousands of people, north, south, east, and west, everybody's there to touch Jesus. Wouldn't you think, wouldn't you think this would be a great place to do an awesome miracle? Wouldn't you think, why didn't Jesus just hover right there? You know what I mean? Why didn't he do that? Why, why didn't he go out and, and why does he need a boat? The guy can walk on water, as we know. Why didn't he at that moment go walk on water? Because it's not the way that he's going to reach the masses. It's not about this, this big show. All the lights are flooding. Let's build the big stage. Let's minister in a big, big way. This is the way we're going to reach the masses. This is how we're going to have spiritual impact. It's not the way I'm doing it. In our humanity, we think, well, Lord, that would be most effective. You have a great audience. Do some great miracle right here. And he's all, I'm not about this powerful spectacle. I'm not about big boat ministry. Let's do this thing up. You know, I, uh, I was on staff with Young Life. Uh, they have a camp called Malibu. It's out of Vancouver, Canada. And you take this, you take this uh, ferry boat out for about seven, eight hours into Princess Louisa Inlet. And I've traveled a lot of the world. And I've got to be honest, this is one of the most beautiful places in the world. And you show up, and it's, it's not quite an island. Three, three quarters of it's surrounded by water. And, and then you have these huge fjords on each side that are stunning. And then on the inner dock, I would go out in the morning, and I worked the inner dock, and I, I drove some ski boat, and I worked, the, I worked the canoes and stuff. That was my job. And um, I'm in the inner dock, and in the morning when I'd go out my quiet times, uh, dolphins would come through, and then about once a week you'd see orca wells come through. Just stunning. And it's totally calm. It has a little bit of that mist right off the water. I mean, beautiful. So anyway, one day we're at camp, and you got hundreds of high school kids. And this is back in the 80s. And all of a sudden, this incredible yacht, it's Kaiser's uh, yacht. Kaiser was a big construction guy. And it's his yacht comes in, and he anchors right off the inner dock. And so the counselors and, and all the staff leaders like gather all the kids around just to come see the dock and uh, come see the boat. And, but what happens is, as we're all out on the inner dock and we're looking over these fjords and, and it's just stunning, eagles, bald eagles were everywhere flying. But out off the, out off the, uh, the deck of the boat walks out uh, John Denver at the time when he was alive. And John Denver puts on uh, this concert for us off the deck of Kaiser's boat. And he sings to us. And all the kids, I mean, really, everybody loved it. It was, it was like a powerful, beautiful moment, just kind of awesome. And, and then kids got to share at the end of the week what was, what was most powerful and what was awesome about you know, the week. And nobody ever mentioned John Denver. Big boat ministry, big boat impact. But you know what impacted their lives? And as they shared about what impacted their lives, because there's a night called Say So where they stand up and say so in the Lord. I am redeemed of the Lord, say so. They said it was, uh, it was my times when I went back to our small cabin with my counselor 
And they, they loved me right where I was at. And they shared about the love of Jesus with me. And they hung out with me. And they got to know me. You see, John Denver, good guy, but he didn't get off the boat and come hang out with all the teenagers. The counselors did. The counselors were the hands and feet. The counselors were doing small boat ministry in their small cabins, loving just who was right in front of them. This is how Jesus is doing ministry. This is how he's going to impact the world. He cares about the masses and reaching them, but it's not through big boat ministry. He calls his disciples in. It's his timing. He would do things his way, and he would show us how to impact the world for Jesus. You see, as he's setting this up, and as he invites a small boat, and as he's trying to minister to the masses, the demons are shouting out. They're trying to, they're trying to turn Jesus upside down. You've got to understand something about demons. They're not, they're not real excited about Jesus being there. They're going to do... You remember, remember, we have an enemy, Satan, and Satan has demons. And everything about them is to destroy Jesus and everything he's doing. And so here's the enemy who is shouting out through the demons, demon-possessed people, you're the son of God. And Jesus in the, in the original Greek is saying, zip it. Shh. Don't say a thing. One of the things that as you study scriptures and you sort of wrestle with is you go, why is Jesus telling these demons to be quiet? Because it's true what they're saying. He is the Son of God. What, and, and, and Jesus is revealing himself. Remember, hey, child, I forgive your sins. Whoa, nobody but God forgives sins. He's revealing himself. I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Nobody is Lord of the Sabbath except God himself. Jesus is revealing who he is. And the Pharisees hate that. Remember, they partner up with the, the Herodians, their political enemies. And together... They're going to come and just kill Jesus. They're, the tension is hot. And so here's the demons crying out what is true. He's the son of God. Why does Jesus shut him up? Because I believe the enemy is not going to be the ones who are going to bear witness to who I am. The enemy is trying to do anything to destroy me. So in their attempts to bear witness saying you're the son of God, it's not to really go, hey, let's praise Jesus together. The enemy was known, and the demons were as lying spirits. Lying spirits. That's who Satan is, right? The great deceiver, the great liar. They were known as that. And so one of the reasons possibly that the Lord is, is telling them to be quiet, not to speak, is because if, if the lying spirit is saying, you're the son of God, well, everybody's going to believe, well, what's the opposite of that? You're not the son of God. That's possibly one reason he's telling them to be quiet. The other is that, again, the enemy's trying to trip Jesus up. The enemy's trying to take him out. He doesn't, want, he doesn't want Jesus to be successful. He doesn't want hearts changed for God. They're trying to speak forth about the Son of God, and they're crying it out, and they're trying to make a connection that Jesus is basically son of the God that they worship, Satan himself. Part of the reason I believe that's true is because we'll see later. Remember when Jesus cast out the demons out of the swine? And they're like, this is the prince of darkness. They're making this association like, he must be the Lord of Beelzebub. He must be the one who's in control of all this. The enemy is trying to take him out of the picture. And Jesus says, shh, you will not bear witness of me. You have no place in this. I will not allow you to deceive the people. I am going to, in my timing... 
reveal myself more and more. You have no authority. You have no say in any of this. You know what the cool thing about all that is? When we face spiritual attack, which we do, in Christ, we have full authority over the enemy. We can defeat the enemy. When we're facing spiritual battle, in the name of Jesus Christ, we can defeat that. Christ has authority over that. And so he tells them, Be quiet. You will not bear witness of me. I have my way that I will reveal myself. Shut your mouth. I'm here to establish my kingdom. I set the path for that. I set the timing for that. And so the question is, well, how's Jesus going to do it? How is he going to establish his kingdom? How will he get word out about who he really is and why he really came? How is Jesus going to change lives and have spiritual impact that would transform people's hearts? Well, get me a small boat. This is the way we're going to do it. It's an incredible contrast from all this popularity and the, and the glitz and, and, the, and, again, the pressing in of people, this immense ministry that was taking place right in front of them. He didn't want the pretentious claims or the impressive titles. You know, I, I think it's interesting, you know, just for you and me, we're, we're really drawn to that, aren't we? We're, we're drawn to, like, how many books have you put out, you know, spiritual Christian books. We're, we're drawn to kind of big names. And you know what? There's a place for that ministry. There really is. But I don't see it to be the the main way that that Jesus is establishing his kingdom and the main way he's drawing people unto himself. It's not big boat ministry. It's small boat ministry. Life on life, making disciples. And this is the way Jesus goes about it. So he invites the 12 disciples to get in his small boat with him to be part of his kingdom life. How do we have Christ-centered spiritual impact How do we have Christ-centered spiritual impact? You want that, don't you? I hope you do. I hope you want your life to to have meaning. I hope you want to touch people's lives with the love of Jesus Christ. I hope hope you're not just here on Sunday mornings just because it's nice to get together, but that you want to learn from the Word of God so that you can go out and have spiritual impact, Christ-centered spiritual impact in people's lives. Don't you want to leave a heritage? Don't you want to to have people to say about you, that person ministered to me and showed me the love of Jesus. Don't you want that? I hope so. You see, we are no longer our own. We're bought with a price. And here's the other thing that's true of us. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who's living through me. You see, when Christ lives through us, he's ministering the heart of God to the world. And he chooses to use you and me in that. And if you don't have that heartbeat to want to love others and, and, and show them the love of Christ, then sit with your Lord and say, Lord, give me your heart because I do want to have impact. I want to be part of your kingdom work. Small boat ministry, though, he calls them into. You know, I, I did a memorial service uh, just a little while ago and and uh, beautiful grandma. And uh, we, we gathered in the fireside room and, and shared life. And I love the parts where we just share about how this, how this woman impacted life. And here's one of the things I learned from all of the grandkids. It was really, really cool. Grandma had this awesome bed in her small house. And all the grandkids, they loved, their favorite place to be was on Grandma's bed. Like they literally fought, like who would get closest to Grandma on her bed. Because it was at this place on Grandma's bed that she shared the stories of Jesus. That she would read Bible stories, that... She would put her arm around her grandkids and just say, hey, 
how can I pray for you today? Every one of those kids came to know Jesus because of Grandma. That's, that bed was her small boat, and she had incredible spiritual impact. We want that, don't we? I hope so. We want to touch people with the love of Christ, and we want our lives to have significance and meaning. We want to join with Jesus in reaching the masses, yet doing that in a small boat. We want to have Christ-centered spiritual impact. And so how did he do it? He went up on the mountain, and he called those whom he desired, and they came to him, and he appointed the twelve whom he named apostles. Apostles means those who are sent out. So that they might... Look at the Scriptures. I'm doing small boat ministry. i got 12 guys. I'm calling unto me. I know there's tens of thousands out there, but i got 12 guys. He pointed them so that they might be with Him, that He might send them out to preach and to have authority to cast out demons. How do we have Christ-centered spiritual impact? The first thing we see very clearly is that we need to be with Jesus. It's the core of everything. It's our life and spending time with our Lord and Savior. It's sitting at His feet. Remember Mary and Martha? and Martha, who, who loved Jesus, but loved Him by serving. She often wanted to, to just serve Him and keep busy in the kitchen. And then there's Mary, who loved Jesus. But Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet, just listening to Him and, and sharing life. Martha gets pretty frustrated, right? Jesus, come on, tell her to help me out. Remember what Jesus says? Martha, love you, but what Mary's doing is more important right now. Just being with me, sitting at my feet. We can't pour out the love of Christ if we're not receiving the love of Christ. If we're not sitting with Him and hearing from Him and hearing His truth. We can't pour out truth if we don't hear truth from Him and and be in His Word and know Him. What happens is, and you've run into people like this, and I want to be a person like this, that that because of my time with Jesus, when people get to know me, they're like, there's something different about you. Something kind of awesome and, and amazing about your character and, and who you are. You're, you're kind when I haven't been kind to you, or you're, you're patient when this scene is out of control. There's something about you. I don't say that arrogantly. I, just, I, want, I want to have that reflection of Christ. Here's what it says in Acts 4.13. This great scene where the disciples are... are ministering, and they're speaking forth the truth of God. It says this, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated, that Peter and John, they were uneducated common men, and they were astonished. Now here's the kicker. Here's these uneducated, small boat kind of guys. But they recognized that these two had been with Jesus. There was something about the truth they were ministering. There was something about the way that they were talking about Jesus that they recognized very clearly these men had been with Jesus. Don't you want that in your life? I want people to say that about me. Only so that God is glorified. That's the only reason. Been with Jesus. I'm the true vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. And by this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. I have this this wonderful friend. Her name's Stephanie. And uh, Stephanie was a gal that I had the the joy of ministering to as a college young woman. And she got married. She actually just had her first uh, child the other day. 
And uh, so, so beautiful, the gift of uh, children, right? Congratulations, you guys. And, you know, praise God for that. But here's, the, here's the cool thing about Stephanie that I just love. So, on Facebook, pretty much every day, she'll, she posts a lot on Facebook. I can't even keep up with so much. But every day, she'll have a picture of her Bible and all that she's learning about Jesus that day and then the Bible is just all highlighted in all these different colors. And, and then she shares about, oh, this is what the Lord taught me this morning as I, as I was studying and reading the Word. And, and it's just like, Stephanie is just one who is with Jesus every day. She doesn't do it for show. She doesn't do it to somehow say, I'm a better... She's really loving Jesus. And she can't shut up about it. And the thing that I know about Stephanie's life is that at her work... And everywhere she goes, people are impacted by her life. And I know it's because she's with Jesus. The latest, the latest clips of all her Bible, there, there are no more verses to highlight. They're all highlighted. So we have to get her a new Bible, you know? But she has impacted me. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. How do we have Christ-centered spiritual impact? We be with Jesus in His Word, in His goodness, in our prayer, in our life. We talk to Him. We go up on the mountain when we're pressed and we say, Lord, I need You. I have nowhere else to go. And then allow God to minister through you. How do we have Christ-centered spiritual impact in the small boat ministry? We stick to the main thing. We, we preach Jesus. You see, it's not all about these cool healings and and the miracles are done, and the casting out of demons, like, wow, awesome. We teach Jesus crucified. Jesus rose again from the dead, died on the cross for our sin, rose again, and that as we believe upon him, we would have life, Jesus. And Jesus has shown us the way of life in his word, real life, and we preach Jesus. Mark one thirty eight reminds us, Again, everybody's pressing in. The disciples are like, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. And he says, well, that's nice. I know there's the masses, but I need to go to this other community because I need to keep preaching. The word of God is a double-edged sword. penetrates bone and marrow. It's living and it's active. It changes lives. I came not to put on a big show. I came to impact lives through spiritual truth, through my word. I came to impact lives through living through my disciples who are now going to be my hands and feet. What are they preaching? I think things like Acts 4.12 says, There is salvation in no one else. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Billy Graham, that's all he really taught. He'd have these massive crusades and he would just preach Jesus. And thousands upon thousands would come to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But here's the question to all of us. How are they discipled? Thank God for Billy Graham. Thank God for people becoming saved. But how am I going to impact the world for the kingdom of God? I'm going to make disciples, and it's all about small boat ministry. That there were, there were many who invited those people from those Billy Graham crusades. Hey, come into my small boat. I'm going to disciple you. I'm going to tell you all about Jesus. We praise God together that you are saved. But now it's beginning the journey. And God's calling you and me to do that, to invite people into our small boats. You don't have to be all glossy and and big and awesome. You actually just need to be broken and dependent upon the Savior. But he calls us to go and make disciples. 
That's all we are about. And He sends us out in His power and authority. How do we have impact? We rely on His power and His authority. We serve as ministers of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit in our brokenness. We don't know how to do all this. That's New Covenant, right? New Covenant is, I can't accomplish anything within myself that has any spiritual benefit. It's all Christ in me. It's nothing from me. But God wants me to have impact for His kingdom. And so He invites me into that small boat with Him. And then I go out and disciple others. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You know, the beautiful thing is Jesus calls these 12 disciples into this intimate, wonderful relationship where he's going to transform their lives in this small boat. You got 12 you got tens of thousands out here. But he's going to use these 12 to impact the masses because Jesus cares about the masses. But the way he's going to go about it is small boat. And it's very intimate. Jesus knows our names. He knows everything about us. I love how he changes names, right? Simon, you're going to become Peter the Rock. Hey, you two guys, I'm going to give you nicknames. You're sons of thunder. And he calls them and he knows them. And he gives them worth and value as he changes their names. And even Judas, in the middle of it all, you go, boy, Lord, why would you choose Judas? He's going to betray you. Well, the fact is that the actions of Judas, Judas would establish God's healing, loving rule, even though he was a disciple who betrayed him. God's timing, his purposes, his discipleship. And he invites us into that. Not big boat, small boat ministry. Mother Teresa said this, Not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. Who are you going to invite into your small boat? Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for the way you chose to impact the world, to reveal yourself to the world in your love and your amazing grace. And it was through those 12 guys and even one who who wanted nothing to do with you eventually but you accomplish your purpose with those 12. And Father, I pray for us this morning that you would minister to us and you would really spur us on by your Holy Spirit. Father, who is our disciple? Who are we ministering to? Father, we want to have spiritual impact. We want to leave a mark only so that you're glorified. And so, Lord Jesus, do that work in our midst. Let us be ones who are making disciples. Let us be ones who are calling people into the small boat. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we thank you for your truth and your goodness, and we thank you for your salvation. In your beautiful, precious name, amen.